Through the summer, we have been going through a series called Seven Ships. And so we've been looking at some epic boat stories. And then this is week seven, so this is the last week. And we have absolutely saved the best for last. Uh, just a little bit before I bring, bring Pastor Tommy up here and, and let him loose. Uh, Lord, I think it was 12 or, 12 or 13 years ago I, I was interning at Pace Assembly of God, my kind of first, first introduction to ministry. And it was more than that, wasn't it? It was longer than that. It was almost 15 years ago, y'all. I mean, I'm only 25, so I was 10 years old. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but uh, on Sunday nights, we would drive to Bonifay, Florida, to, to Bonifay Assembly of God to hear Pastor Tommy Moore preach. And it was just, an, it, it was a, it marked me. It was the messages that you would preach that he would bring changed my life and now he's a district superintendent uh, over the west florida district and so he has a lot of churches that he serves and it's an absolute pleasure to be able to have him because his schedule and so much that he has going on and so many people that look to him and and that he's responsible for and it's just an amazing time when we're able to have him with us at upper room and so if we could could we give pastor thomas Moore just a big welcome as he comes to bring the word to us Buddy, I love you. Well, that was a pretty big introduction there. I don't know that I can live up to that this morning, but good morning, Upper Room. Wow, it's a beautiful day on Pensacola Beach, isn't it? It's a beautiful day to be alive, a beautiful day to be serving Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. Just love you and your precious family, and uh, just thank God for you, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I uh, yeah, if, if he was, if he's only 25, then that means I was probably about, uh, anyway, I was pastoring at 15, I guess. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to get all the numbers right as we move along. How about that? It, it's okay. They're just numbers. You know, I decided that a long time ago. They're really just numbers. So, uh, but it is great to be with you today. Beautiful crowd in the house of God, and those outside, those joining us online. And it's just amazing what we can do today with the gifts that God's given us and technology and literally touch the whole world from one location. And that's great. But I'm glad to see you assembled together today as well. Uh, there's just, man, it's been a crazy, crazy last 18 months, two years now almost between the storm and COVID and everything else. Uh, it's been a crazy time, but it's good to see you assembled together in the house of God today. And just before we get into the word, I don't want to waste too much time, but I just want to thank you. I want to thank Pastor and this awesome staff. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, we just love your pastors. Uh, they are phenomenal people. We have known them for most of their spiritual journey. Might have known Caitlin a little bit longer, uh, but her family, we were able to meet them when we were uh, a part of the church there at Pace Assembly that they were a part of. That's been a long time ago, but <laughs> we do have some stories that we could go back. We won't tell all of those today when we were back when I was young enough to be a youth pastor. And that was a long time ago. I'll just go ahead and tell you because I've made it to 57 now and uh, I can see 60. I can't believe that. I, I couldn't even see 30 when we were doing those shenanigans that we did back in those days, Brother Wesley. But anyway, it's great to, to be with all of you. I just thank you for your leadership. I haven't had the opportunity to thank you for the way that you led, Pastor, during the hurricane and the relief efforts here on the beach and the many, many thousands of people that were blessed because of the outreach ministry of this church. We were blessed to partner with you as a network. That's what we do uh, with 160 churches across the panhandle, about 400 ministers, and we all work together when we need each other. And 
You were the hub for that uh, here on the beach. And thank you, Pastor, for your leadership, both of you. God bless you uh, for leading that effort and touching this community. When disaster strikes and trouble hits, whether it is a hurricane that affects thousands of people or whether it's the loss of a loved one in one family or a situation in one person's life, those are always open doors of ministry. If you'll follow the life of Jesus, you will find that he was always where people were in need. He wasn't just always hanging around with everybody that had it all together and didn't have stuff going on in their life. And, and i got to get down to what I'm going to preach this morning, but let me just tell you, it was Jesus' nature to make other people's problem his problem. He one time said, I've got to go through Samaria. I can't take the shut, shortcut. I've got to go around the long way because there's a lady there that's got a problem, and before this day's over, I'm going to engage with her, and I'm going to help her with her problem. And he did. Uh, you'll find that. He went out of his way. He stopped along the roadside and called out people with problems that everybody else ignored and walked along beside the road and never looked at. He was constantly engaging people at the point of their need. If we are going to be a Christ-like body in this community, wherever you are, whatever you, community you're in, your family, where you work, uh, it, where you live, if you're going to be Christ-like, you will have to engage in the middle of people's needs many times. And so so thank you, pastors, for leading that uh, during the time of great need here in this community. Thank you, Upper Room Church, for rallying to that. I know the truckloads of stuff that came in and the distribution and all of that. We have become way too familiar with that, with Hurricane Michael and Hurricane Sally and other things that we've had to deal with over the last few years. Uh, but we thank God for people like you who are willing to minister and touch their community. I believe God has great things in store for this church. Amen? And I'm excited about just being a very small part of that. And we just kind of get to cheerlead from a distance and encourage and uh, be there when needed. And it's an honor to be here today. My wife, Reese, regrets that she's not with me today. Uh, she is fulfilling her highest calling in the world. And that is being Nana this morning. We have uh, our daughter and her husband are on staff at Life Point Church in Crestview. They're the worship pastors there. Clarice is the worship pastor, and Jordan is technology and development. And so uh, this morning, uh, Xander, our oldest grandbaby, is cutting his big molars. I wish I had pictures. I really should have brought pictures. You ought to see my grandkids. They are the greatest, I'm telling you. I went back to preach at Carmel where I pastored for 24 years the other day. And I told those people there, I said, okay, I got to confess. For 24 years, I looked at pictures of your grandbabies and acted like I was interested and cared and that I really thought they were cute. Well, I really wasn't interested. I really didn't care. And they really weren't cute. However, I now have two that are very, very cute that are the smartest kids in the world. And you really ought to take the time to see my pictures. But anyway, I won't show you any pictures today. And all the grandparents know what I'm talking about in here this morning. But anyway, Xander's cutting his molars. And he's really just got that sicky, snotty stuff. That's not good to talk about. But anyway. Anyway, so he couldn't go to nursery this morning, so Reese's having to be Nana and take care of them so mom and dad can go do ministry this morning. She sends her love, and she'll come with me next time. Amen? Well, wonderful. Let's get down to business this morning. Seven ships. What an awesome thought, Pastor. I think that is so cool. Uh, a lot of the life of Jesus and his ministry was spent particularly around the Sea of Galilee. In our text today, it's referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret, but it is the same body of water. The, uh, I love to preach from that segment of Jesus' ministry. I preached a lot from that through the years. Uh, the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret is a, really a wide spot in the Jordan River. 
the mountains to the north is always snow-capped, and uh, they begin to melt, and they come down to a place that's called the Springs of Dan near the uh, Grotto of Pan there on the north side of uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee. And they all begin to come together, these little tributaries, and there's places where you can literally stand across what forms into the Jordan River. I mean, to believe that mighty river, at one place you can stand uh, straddle of that river uh, in the northern country there before it comes down, begins to form, and then flows into this lake uh, called the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. And then it flows out of there to the south and goes down to the Dead Sea. If you've been to Israel, you know there's the dead, the med, and the red. That's the three seas that are all always involved in the Bible stories that you hear as well as when you go to Israel you want to make sure you get in all three of those waters and I've had that privilege a few times to do that and it's it's quite fun but the Sea of Galilee is, is, is just an amazing place and so much happened there in the ministry and life of Jesus that related to fishermen fishermen and fishing communities and really a kind of a lifestyle that a lot of folks here could maybe relate to a little bit uh, and so I think it's a really cool concept and I'm honored to maybe do a little bit of wrap-up. It won't be the best, I can tell you. I've already went back and listened. You've had some great words uh, on these seven ships, and I think it's phenomenal. But this morning, we want to focus in on this one particular portion in Luke chapter number 5. Down, uh, We're going to look at the first 11 verses. I know the, the main part of the story is a little bit more condensed, but I want you to get a picture here this morning of what's happening while Jesus is ministering again to large groups of people around the Sea of Galilee. Everywhere that he went, people would come and gather up, and many, many miracles happened in Jesus' ministry around this body of water and that involved boats and ships. And so we're going to look at one this morning in Luke chapter 5, verse number 1, uh, as we talk about that seventh ship in the series this morning. And I'm going to hone in on one particular segment of this story that I really feel like God wants us to focus on this morning in this service. You ready to receive from the Word of God this morning? Amen? Let's do it. Verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the Word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got, out, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, later to be known as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That's the focus of what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I want you to pause there for just a moment and look at it. I want you to notice the conversation here. What Jesus is asking Simon to do is to go out into the deep water. We're now in the middle of the day. It's not when you fish. He's asking him to let his nets down. They've just been cleaned and prepared for the next night of fishing. Who wants to mess the nets up again? They have just finished a long and tiresome night of zero catching of fishing while fishing. They had no fish to show for anything they'd done. It had been a bad night. 
How many of you know that's the one time you don't want to go fishing again is that one little moment when you've just been and you're worn out and you caught nothing. You're like, it's over. Give yourself a day and you're ready to go again. <laughs> you need that little gap in there. Every good fisherman does. Well, this was in their gap. And notice the condition that Simon says we're in. And I really feel like before we finish reading the rest of that scripture, I want to just go ahead and say this, that some of you in this building this morning, your life the way you see it right now fits this de definition. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. I'm tired, Lord. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. And I am at zero still. Now that may not be for everybody in this room, but I felt strongly impressed with the Holy Spirit early this morning to make sure I slowed down right there in my introduction of this message. And say to you this morning, if you're just tired of toiling, you're tired of fighting, you're tired of just doing the same thing over and over and not getting the results you're wanting, God says today is a day of turnaround for you. And I want you to listen for the next few moments and allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Today is a day of victory for you. Verse 6 goes on and says, And when they had done this, when they did let their nets down, they caught a great number of fish, so much that their nets were breaking. So they signaled their, to the partners in the other boats to come to help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Man, that's, that's a good day fishing. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners together with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, in other words, this is a turning point. From now on, you will catch men. So then, they had, when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. Father, thank you for your word today. May the Holy Spirit help us for the next few moments to speak what you would have spoken to this body and give us the grace to do it and the results that's needed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What a story. Tired, weary fishermen on the bank washing their nets out, getting all the leaves and the seaweed and the little dead minnows and all the junk that was in them out, cleaning them up because they had to take care of them because their nets were their livelihood. Their fishing boats and their nets was all that they had. Most of these men were multi-generational fishermen. They had fished and fished and fished. Their daddies fished, their granddaddies fished, everybody had fished. And Jesus has got a crowd here, not by accident, but all things are by divine providence, but he's got a crowd gathered up and he He's teaching them uh, about the things of God and sharing the good news with them of, of all that he could do for their lives. And these fishermen are over here on the side and they're cleaning their nets out. And I can't help but believe that maybe they were listening with one ear and working and, and doing their work but still listening to what Jesus was saying. All of a sudden the press of the crowd has Jesus pushed back to the edge of the water. So Jesus steps up inside of one of these two boats that are there and he begins to use it for a pulpit and kind of pushes back a little bit so the people want won't just run him over and the mob won't press him so bad and as he does that he kind of bars the, the boat for a pulpit and once he's finished teaching he calls the fisherman and says hey I tell you what come get in the boat 
you know, they're putting their nets in, getting ready to go for that next night of fishing. And Jesus said, if you will just launch out into the deep, if you'll push your boats back out into the water and let's go out into the, to the lake a little bit further, if you'll put your nets down, you're going to catch a big catch of fish. Well, these experienced, wise fishermen in their own eyes said, there's no way, Jesus, we've been fishing all night. The moon's not right. <laughs> We're not holding our mouth right. We got the wrong kind of bait. Something's not right. We're not catching anything. We're tired. We want to go home and take a nap, and we'll come back tonight. And Jesus, and I know all that's not recorded in the scripture, but most likely they had a little discourse here. Jesus said, I tell you, if you'll get in this boat and do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to catch fish. Wow. And they did, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. A great catch of fish, so much that their boat couldn't hold it. They had to get the other boat out there, got it there, fill both of them up to where the, both boats were about to sink. It was quite a catch, quite a miracle, to be honest with you. But I want to focus on three components of it very quick, quickly this morning. As we really focus in on what Simon said to Jesus when he made that request of him, Take your boat out into the deep water and drop your net. And he said, it's really, we've toiled all night long. We've caught nothing. But he stopped there, and I think he had kind of a divine revelation, and then he said what you and I have to learn to say at times like this, nevertheless at thy word. Nevertheless at thy word. It makes no sense. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do, but nevertheless at thy word. So that's the first thing I want you to look at is the request itself. The request didn't even seem realistic. It didn't even seem like something that should be asked. It was not the right time of day to fish, as I'd already said. They fished in the, in the evenings, at night. That was when they fished on this lake. It didn't seem right. It seemed totally contrary to everything that their natural mind would say to do. But they had heard the master speak. And the request, although it was, it was, it was crazy, they had every excuse not to do it. They had every answer that you could possibly give back to the master as to why they weren't going to do it. As I said, it's not the right time. We've already tried this. It didn't work. It, we might as well give up. I've already considered going back to school and getting a degree in something else besides fishing because obviously this isn't going to happen. I've already went back and said, God, you know, surely, you know, there must be no fish in the sea because I've caught none of them. We caught all the fish out of the sea over the last month. There's nothing left. They've reasoned this thing out so much until now it seems literally impossible. And one of the most bizarre things that could be asked of them would be for them to launch out into the deep and let their nets down again but something inside of that rough cut fisherman that crude rude old Simon I mean he was just he was hardcore but something that day pierced through his flesh and through his natural way of thinking enough to get him to utter the words that said nevertheless at thy word we'll do it I think maybe he'd been listening, like I said, on the shore. Maybe he'd noticed that Jesus spoke in a different tone and talked about things that others wasn't speaking. And enough faith arose up inside of him for him to say that he would do it. You see, the scripture is filled and filled and filled with, with reinforcements to the fact that the word of God supersedes everything else in our life. And I want to tell you today, if you want to get on a path of miracles in your life, if you want to get on a path of better days, if you want to get on a path of catching 
something in your net instead of coming up empty all the time. You've got to start by saying yes to what God is asking you to do in your life. And it may seem unrealistic. It may seem absolutely crazy. It may seem bizarre. You may even say, I've tried it before and it didn't work. But today is the day when you need to say yes to the master. And nevertheless, no matter whether it makes sense, nevertheless, no matter if I'm tired, nevertheless, no matter if I've tried it before, nevertheless, if I don't understand, nevertheless, if a part of me says it's not even going to work, I'm still going to let that little mustard seed of faith rise up in me enough that I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. Let me just tell you today, my friend, everything that God asks of us is always going to take us into deeper water. It's always going to make us launch out a little bit. It's going to move us out of our comfort zone. It's going to many times move us even from the norm. I'm not talking about to the weird. <laughs> I've seen those folks that stayed in the weird all the time. I don't think God wants to keep you in the weird, weird all the time, but he will take you out of the norm. He will get you to move beyond what is even comfortable for you, what even makes sense for you. It's not even natural for you. Some of you in this room knew my wife, Reese, and knew that she was one of the most introverted and bashful, quiet people that you would ever want to meet in your life. So much so, so that when we first met, she'd hardly lift her head up to talk to you. She was shamefaced. She just held her head down and she was quiet. Now you give her a microphone, let her sing. She could sing like an angel, but she wouldn't talk. She wouldn't introduce a song. She wouldn't talk about the song. She wouldn't do it. But she was so bashful and so quiet. It was so out of the norm when God began to speak to her that he wanted to use her to minister and he wanted to use her to speak. Now she speaks in women's conferences all over, literally the world. We've been in different countries where she speaks. She speaks to hundreds and even thousands of people. And she does it with a boldness and a confidence. It was totally out of her natural realm of being the way that she was when God began to ask her to launch out into deeper waters. I could give you examples of that over and over and over of people, not only my own life, my own family, but others who God has asked them to launch out into the deep and do something that the request just did not even seem right or natural at the time. But listen to me today, my friend. It doesn't matter what God is asking. What matters is that it is God that is asking it. Can I give you a quick illustration? Not that I would know anything about this firsthand, but should you ever be driving down the highway and one of those very fine and greatly respected and highly revered officers of the law comes up behind you and turns those blue lights on, guess what? He's got something he wants to say to you. <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't matter what he wants to say. <laughs> it's just the fact that he or she has the authority to say whatever it is they want to say, and you need to pull over and listen. Amen? <laughs> You know, sometimes I hear, I've heard people say that they ask questions like, Sir, why are you in such a hurry? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I've just heard that from a friend one time. Uh, Sir, where are you going? Sir, do you know what the speed limit is in this area? <laughs> do you realize how fast you were driving? You know, sometimes they ask questions like that. I, I, you know, I, I, I've heard they do anyway. And <laughs> so, see, it really doesn't matter, though. They might want to say, you've been selected as citizen of the year, and we're going to give you the keys to the city like they did on Andy and Barney and on, uh, on Andy Griffith one time. I, 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 don't, I don't know why they're stopping you, but it doesn't matter what they want to say. It's the authority behind the badge that, that they represent that says, hey, I need to stop and listen to whatever this person wants to say. You don't drive down the road and go, you know, I wonder what they're going to say. 
I think I'm going to go on another mile or two and decide whether I want to listen to them today. Last time I had a conversation with somebody like this, it didn't end too well, so I don't think I want to do this. No, you don't do that. Why? Because of the authority that they operate in, we have to submit to that authority and listen to what they have to say. Whatever it is, they are the authority voice. We have to come to the same place in our life with God. It doesn't matter what God is asking of you. It doesn't matter what he's wanting you to do. It doesn't matter how difficult it is when he's telling you, you need to go back and say, I'm sorry. You need to be the one to go apologize even if you don't think you were the one that was guilty. And God's asking you to do that and you're like, uh-uh, that ain't me. I ain't going to do it because I know good and well I was right and they're going to pay for it. No, no, no. And, and all this is going on. It doesn't matter what God is asking. It's the fact that God is the one doing the requesting. So when the request comes, somewhere in Simon's mind, as carnal as he was and as unregenerated as he was at this time, he still realized that the authoritative voice of Jesus was worth doing whatever he was asking him to do. And he said that phrase, nevertheless, at thy word. So today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is that you're toiling with and what it is that you're dealing with. But I'm telling you, if you want a full ship and you want your life to be all it can be and you want to be all the things we're about to discover that they became, it all begins with the right, with the right response to the request because that's the second thing I want you to look at today. It's first the request, but then I want you to look at the response. The response has to be in the affirmative. It has to be exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. No matter what the request is, no matter what your flesh wants to do, no matter what others are telling you to do, no matter how much sense it makes or doesn't make in the natural, the response must be yes to what God is asking of you today. For some of you, that will be harder than for others. For some of you, it may be an easy thing the Lord asks of you. For some of you, it may be a more difficult thing. But I'm telling you, no matter the request, your response has to be right. I take you to an Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac. It's a bizarre story. If you've read it a lot and you've heard it a lot, it may be kind of have dulled down a little bit to you. But if you're not familiar with Old Testament history and stories and you hear the story of Abraham and Isaac, it'll really kind of make your mouth drop open. Because what it is, is God asked Abraham to take his only son Isaac that God had given him as a promise and take him on a mountain and offer him as a human sacrifice. Well, that doesn't even sound like God, but that's what God's asking him to do. It certainly is not something Abraham's flesh would ever want to do. It doesn't even make sense because God was trying to establish a lineage and a line, a bloodline, and now we're going to kill off the bloodline and none of this makes sense. But Abraham said, you know what? I'm going to do what God's telling me to do. So he takes little Isaac and they start up that mountain and Isaac, they got firewood, they got everything except a lamb or a ram and they don't have a sacrifice. And little Isaac looks up at his daddy and says, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? Well, Abraham knows in his heart that Isaac's going to be the sacrifice. I mean, that's just hard for me to even process in my mind. But when they get to the place at the top of the mountain, which by the way is a very significant mountain, it's the same mountain that is being fought over this morning in Israel. It's the Temple Mound. It's Mount Moriah. It's the same place. And when they get there to the top of that mountain and gets the altar all ready and the wood all in place, he takes little Isaac and he's like, you know, this is what I got to do. It's crazy, but I got to do this. And an angel of God grabs his hand and says, nope. All God wanted to know is that you were willing to do it. He never expected you were going to do it. 
You see, God never wanted a dead Isaac. He just wanted an obedient Abraham. God didn't need Isaac to be killed. He wasn't, that wasn't, that's not how God works. But he needed Abraham to be willing to go that far. Now that's bizarre. That's about as extreme a story in the Bible as you'll find. I mean, there's all kind of extreme stories, but that one presses my mind to the limit. But God never wanted a human sacrifice. He didn't want a dead Isaac. He wanted an obedient Abraham. And I'm telling you in your life right now, whatever it is that God's asking you to do, you may say, that's going to cost me too much. I can't do it. I can't give up that. I can't, I can't release that out of my life. And I, and please hear me loud and clear. He's not asking anyone to give sacrifice of any other human being life. That's just an Old Testament story. It's a reality. It happened. But that's not, that's not where we live. He's not asking that of you today, I can tell you. It's less than that for sure. But he may be asking you to give up some things in your life to clear your testimony so that you have a better witness. He may be asking you to walk down a certain path that's not so comfortable for you. He may be asking you to engage in some things in ministry and church life and your Christian life and your experience that are just not necessarily your thing and it's new for you and it's new territory and it's hard. But I'm telling you today, the answer has to be yes to him. He is not trying to hurt you. He is not trying to harm you. He's trying to take you into deeper waters with him so you can experience greater blessing in your life. And he can't take you to the greater blessing until he helps you to cross the point of obedience in your life where you say yes to him and his will. Nevertheless, at thy word. You want me to help with that, Lord? Well, that's really not me. And, and you look, look, I understand giftings. You better know it. And get work in your giftings, stay in your giftings. There are some people that do not need to be on the worship team because <laughs> they can't sing, <laughs> okay, period. You need to be a greeter. <laughs> That's your ministry, amen? Because you can't carry a tune in the bucket, and you, don't, we are, you do not need to mess up this great worship team, amen? But, man, can you put your hand out and smile? Maybe that's what Jesus is asking you to do. Now, if you can't do that, don't be a greeter either, amen? <laughs> We got, we got all seven of the dwarfs in most church, amen? So all seven, all Snow White's friends, they're all there. Grumpy does not need to be a greeter, okay? Keep Grumpy, find Grumpy something else to do. Don't put Grumpy as a greeter, amen? Everybody's got a gift. Or either maybe God may ask Grumpy, do you know what, Grumpy? Get over your Grumpy. Put a smile and the love of Jesus on your heart and get out there and greet people with the joy of the Lord that's in you and show what I put inside of your life. Amen? I don't know what God's asking you to do. It may be be a greeter. It may be a minister of the gospel. He may call you to be a missionary to Africa. Boy, we're losing them by the moment here. The, the, the load's getting shorter and shorter, Pastor, this morning. He'll call very few, very few to go give their whole life in Africa or some other country. Uh, he does that from time to time. But it's, don't, don't worry, if you surrender to Jesus, it doesn't mean you're going to have to get a passport, okay? <laughs> some people think, if I, if I say yes to Jesus, he's going to send me to some foreign country in dark place. And that's, no, 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 your neighborhood needs you. Your neighbors need you. Maybe Jesus is just asking you to bake a dozen cookies and take them down the street to that little mama with those three kids that she's so lost and so hurting, so confused. And you've observed it. <clears throat> maybe even criticized her a little, judged her a little. Man, she's got a mess down there, doesn't she? Maybe God's calling you, making a request of you to push out into the deep a little bit more and get a little involved in her life. You may not can fix all of her problems, but you know a Jesus who can. 
And it could be you. And it could be your daughter. And wouldn't you want somebody to reach them? It could be your grandbabies. Bake a dozen cookies this afternoon. Take them down there and say, hey, mom, if I can ever help you anyway, you know, I don't know a whole lot, but you know, I'm around if you need somebody just to talk to. and Develop a relationship with, I don't know what Jesus is asking you to do. I don't know what he's asking you to do, but I'm telling you today, whatever he's asking you to do, whatever he wants to use the ship of your life for today, the answer has to be yes. If you ever plan to find fulfillment, if you ever plan to get it right, if you ever plan to stop your toiling, if you ever plan to stop just going through this thing coming up with a zero scorecard over and over, it's got to start with saying yes to Jesus. Can I tell you why your relationships don't work? Can I tell you in love, and I know I'm maybe overstepping as a guest, a guest preacher today. I, I'm not your pastor. He'll fix all this next week. Come back, all right? He'll, that's, I love my job. I love them and leave them. I go in, tear it all up, leave it for the pastor to fix the next Sunday, okay? So, but, you know, that's why your relationships don't work, because you've not gotten yourself where you ought to be. So that's why you can try, you can try a thousand relationships, and you're never, it's never going to give you that fulfillment. You're still going to feel like you got an empty net over and over and you're just toiling toiling fix yourself first <laughs> let me rephrase that let jesus fix you first because you'll never fix yourself let jesus fix you when you and jesus get it right then he can put other relationships and people in your life that'll work but that's where it's got to start amen that'll help you if you'll let it there just a little bit this morning so there was the request it was bizarre it was out of the norm the response was the only thing that the response could be and that was yes and then finally I just want to tell you about the result when people say yes to what Jesus asked them to do when people say you know what it's not even my boat anyway Lord it's yours do whatever you want to do with it tell me where you want this boat to go and I'll put it there these aren't my nets I'll use them for your glory whatever you want done with my life I give myself wholly to you here's what happens then when they put those nets down now I personally believe I'm a little bit animated I kind of like a little drama and uh, I personally believe it kind of went like this the nets hit the water nothing Flesh rose up just a little bit and Simon and Andrew and James and John, these other fishermen that are watching and observing everybody out. You're going, we told you. And then all of a sudden Jesus gets down there on the edge of that boat and he reaches his hand over into the water and he says, here, fishy, 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 fishy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, here they came. You know why? Because they knew that voice. Because that voice was the voice of creation. And they understood that was the voice that had made everything that was. It was the voice of God through Christ his son. And they understood that voice. They knew that voice. They knew that authoritative voice. And the fish had less problem with doing what Jesus said than Peter was having with it. Amen. <laughs> they knew the authority of that voice. And they obeyed him. And when he called them, they came from the deepest part of the Sea of Galilee and they filled those nets and they're pulling them in and the nets are creaking and they're breaking and the fish are flopping all over the boat and the boat's going down and they're hollering, get out of here boys, get out of here boys, get out of here, we have hit pay dirt man, this is it. More fish and more fish and more fish until both boats are full and they're about to sink and Jesus says enough of this, this is fun but let's go home. 
Now you can go home. More fish than they'd ever caught. The biggest deal that ever happened in their life. A miraculous intervention of the master in the lives of four fishermen. Mm. All because somebody said yes. I would venture to say today in Tommy Morology that there was the possibility that Simon and those boys could have said, you're a crazy old man. I don't want anything to do with this. We got our own plans. We're going to do our own thing. We've been scrapping a living out of this lake for years, and we'll just keep on doing it. Bad day today. We're on a low run. It'll get better. We'll get through this. We got our own plan. Get out of there, crazy teacher. Go and find you some more folks that'll listen to you, because I'm not listening to you today. I'm going to keep butting with my own head, living my own life, doing my own thing. This story wouldn't be in the scripture. And those men would not have completed this process with the result. The result was not only their full nets. The result was not only the fact that they, they got everything they could do. They were able to bless others. They filled a whole nother boat up as well. You want to be a blessing to other people? Just start saying yes to God in your life. And you'll find out he'll overflow your, your blessings into the life of others. And he'll overflow what he's doing in your life into the lives of others. But then here's the biggest thing. Those guys found their true destiny for life. All because they said, yes, we'll launch out into the deep. And yes, we'll do what doesn't seem right. We'll cast our nets one more time. And it said when they walked back to the shore... They said, no more of this. Jesus said, nope. From now on, you're going to go fish for the souls of men. You're going to be my disciples. And those men followed Jesus and became part of the great 12 disciples, the 12 apostles that to this day are known in not only biblical history, but world history as followers of Christ Jesus, who were part of the great experience on the, up in the upper room people who went on then to plant churches and take the gospel all over the world, all because they took him at his word. This morning, there's no telling what God could do with our lives if we just said, nevertheless, at thy word. Nevertheless, at thy word. Your ship, your nets, your decision. What are you going to do today with it? What are you going to do with what God is asking you to do today? Maybe he's asking you to follow him. Maybe you haven't done that yet. Maybe you haven't said yes to him in that respect yet. Maybe you're still trying to figure this thing out. So am I. <laughs> I've been in it all my life. <clears throat> I used to get saved every Sunday night at church. Back then we had church every, all the time. We had Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church. We went to revivals every night. I got saved all the time. I needed to. I was a mean little rascal, but <clears throat> I got saved all the time. But I really got serious with God in my teenage years, about 16. Started following Jesus. This next May, I'll be preaching the gospel. <clears throat> well, no, I won't. I'll, really, this last year, I started preaching 40 years ago. But I'll be in full-time ministry. This May, I'll be in full-time ministry. Not one day in 40 years have I not been in full-time ministry. And I'm still trying to figure it all out. Okay, I got a card in my pocket that says I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. I hold a title that says I oversee it. I'm still trying to figure it all out. I don't have all the answers. God amazes me every day. God still moves in the miraculous. And so, so don't sit around and try to figure all this out. You'll never get it all here until you get it here.
But I'm glad one day this overrode this. And there's still days where that has to happen because this kicks in and I'm going like, this doesn't make sense, God. Why have I got a good friend who's laying on a ventilator in the hospital in Pensacola right now who's a good person and we ask God to heal her and not let that happen and she's on the ventilator today. This could kick in. And you start going, I can't figure this out. This makes no sense, but this has to kick in and say, but God, you're still with her and you're going to heal her in Jesus' name. And we trust you like she trusts you and you do all things well. This has to kick in. So don't live here. I mean, you got to be smart. you got to think. And it'll all start making more sense to you as you journey. I can tell you that. But don't stand back today and say, once I figure all of this out, I'll give my life to Jesus. No. Give your life to Jesus now. Don't stand back and say, once I fix all of this, I'll give my life to Jesus. No, no, no. He specializes in messes. <laughs> if he didn't, I wouldn't be here. If he didn't, I wouldn't be. I brought him my mess to start with, and I have to bring him my mess every day and say, uh, you know, I messed this up. Just reminds me of when I was a little kid, and I loved to fly kites, and I'd do good. And I had a brother-in-law that would fly kites with me. And I would always get the string all messed up. And we'd get it way out. We'd be doing so good. And then I'd look and the string was all balled up. And I'd go over to him and he would undo the string and fix it so we could fly that kite some more and even let it go higher. That's the way my life is with Jesus every day. He lets me fly high for a little while. And then I look down and think, oh, man, the string's all messed up again. I have botched this up again. I've made another mess out of things. Jesus, would you help me? Jesus, would you help me? It's an ongoing journey in a relationship with him. I encourage you today to say yes to him. I encourage you today to say yes to him with your problems, with your issues. Whatever he's asking of you today to help fix the issues in your marriage, in your family, in your life, in your, whatever he's saying you need to do, just say yes. And you say, well, I don't know what he's asking. Just get closer to him and you'll hear him. Just get closer to him. You see, this all really started with, I believe, with these apostles just overhearing the regular teaching Jesus was doing. So that analogy to me is be in church every time you can be here. Listen to your pastor. Listen to the teachers. Eventually, you're going to begin to hear God make specific requests of you in this journey. And as he does, respond, yes, Lord, nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going to do it. And I believe the result in your life will be rest from your toiling, filling for your emptiness, and the finding of your perfect destiny and all that God wants for your life. Father, I thank you today, and I love you, and I bless your name. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments as pastor comes back, and Lord, that you would just take this remaining part of this service and do what you will with what the seed that's been sown here this morning. May every one of us in this room, whether it is to initially follow you as our Savior, commit to ministry, commit our issues and problems and situations to you, whatever it is today, may we say unreservedly, Nevertheless, at thy word, Lord. Amen.